Hey, Billy, you know what's awesome? What's that? Going to the concert. Oh, yeah! What? <laughs> <laughs> I know your dad was a rocker. My dad was a rocker. Lots, <laughs> lot, lots of stuff going on. But um, what, was, what was your first show? What was the first show you got to see? Uh, that you remember? I got to. Yeah, I, I got to see. I got to see Marty Robbins when I was a very small kid. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Marty Robbins. This is probably around uh, 74, 75, somewhere around that, and. Uh, course my dad played in bands so i was around musicians and bands all the time so going to see somebody on a big stage was was pretty exciting of course marty robbins at this point was wearing the the western wear right with the the, the studs and the rhinestones mm-hmm. and bringing out that little bitty guitar he played and my dad was a huge marty robbins fan so uh and not long after that i got to see charlie daniels so nice. it started off my you know those were kind of my introduction to live on stage big time acts and uh then it just kind of spiraled from there <laughs> like i said my dad said that's when he messed up is when he bought me the kiss record so yeah uh i was no longer interested in in uh in the, charlie daniels in the country, in the country <laughs> music we'll see like in, uh, like i was kind of late to the party because um when i was little we lived in houston and then we moved away for like six years and nobody mm went there like i remember i don't remember how old i was but my parents went and saw george Strait at something in corpus and it was a big deal like tickets were highly expensive they got a babysitter which of course you know i didn't really care i was like okay whatever george Strait, right but um we moved back to houston when i was like 13 so there was not a whole lot of live music in my life up to that point. There was a lot of album rock, a whole lot of, Hey son, come listen to this. This is Jimi Hendrix. This is the Beatles. This is Stones, right. whatever. But, but live music, the first show I actually got to see was the beach boys. Wow. My, uh, my, my, my dad, uh, either acquired tickets, um, or won them off the radio. One of the two, but they, they played a show like are you, are you familiar with lakewood church you're in tennessee so you may yeah, or may not have heard of it lakewood church i don't is, think so lakewood church is one of the largest mega churches in the world okay hmm. and lakewood is down south of houston and they they started you know 30 years ago 40 years ago whatever this big old mega church we had a uh, the basketball stadium here in houston was called the summit and they used to have live music, mm-hmm. and um, like that's where you went and saw the basketball games. They had hockey. They had. Uh, <laughs> it's they funny had... you ask me about the church, but I know what the summit is. You know. <laughs> okay, well, if you're familiar with the summit in Houston, so that was what it was. Well, the Lakewood Church bought the summit at some point oh. in in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and that's where they have Lakewood Church now. So if, wow. you, if you go on cable and you look up Joel Osteen, Lakewood Church, he's on stage okay. at the Summit. Well, that's the, okay. at the Summit's where I saw the Beach Boys. That's my first concert with my dad when I was like 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. The Beach Boys were, I, I, don't, I don't, I think enough of them have died. I don't even know if they're still playing anymore. But the Beach Boys were a phenomenal act. I mean... Sure. I mean, they're. Yeah, I mean, with with the harmonies and everything. I mean, they're 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 Amer- Americana. Yeah. I mean, well, and the Beach Boys were always a fan, you know, because my, my dad was a surfer in the in the uh, early sixties. So for him, he was always like the, the the like he loved the Beatles and the Stones and everything. But for him, the Beach Boys yeah. was that California dream that he never sure. quite got to go do. For me, the Beach Boys were another one of my dad's bands that he listened to all the time and. It was okay, but I do remember sitting there because we had pretty good seats and watching them harmonize together and, you know, they'd they'd be singing, you know, like three, four, five part harmony sometimes and every now and then they would just hit it perfectly and it would just like rattle your teeth because it was just so like the the amplifiers and the sound was just so right there. I remember that. I was also like kind of embarrassed as a kid growing up because teenager, like all 
you know, want to be <laughs> an old folks, want to be folks concert, want to be hardcore. <laughs> but that was my first concert. Now I can appreciate it when hey. I was a kid because my my second concert was freaking Megadeth. <laughs> it, was, it was actually what do you mean I don't pay my bills right? it was actually it was, it was Megadeth something like that um, wow you did skip a bit there I did um, because my my a buddy of mine who had a car he's like hey let's go to the show I was like awesome let's go so we went and saw but yeah between the Beach Boys and Megadeth like it was wow <laughs> and then after that I was just in love I was just at every show sure. I could possibly get to. If, if, yeah. if there was a if there was a guitar plugged into an amplifier, I think I was there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe I was a freshman in high, no, sophomore in high school. So yeah, you know, there's a difference between going to see your first concert and then there's the concert that you went to on your own, mm-hmm. right? And of course, the first concert was me and, and my cousin, who we were both big Kiss fans, uh, obviously. But this was the Asylum Tour, so, you know, Animal Eyes had come out, and you were starting to get a lot of concert exposure on MTV, mm-hmm. so they would have Saturday night concerts or whatever, so you were actually starting to see these bands. But uh, we heard that Kiss was coming to Memphis, and we asked our parents if they would drive, or Nashville, I'm sorry, if they would drive us to Nashville, tickets for 13 bucks a piece? <laughs> oh, Yeah. General admission, in other words, you just walked in and sit wherever you just wanted to. You wasn't, it wasn't assigned seats. And stupid us, we were down on the floor. We were probably 20 rows back and didn't know how close we were to the stage. So we ended up getting on one of the risers on the side. So oh, we wow. wanted to be able to see across the stage better. But we were actually that close. We would have been you know, right there at the front. But our folks literally just dropped us off <laughs> and just went and did stuff for a few hours while we went to the Kiss concert. And, you know, that's one of those things you just don't forget. It's kind of like you with Megadeth, I'm sure. You're not going to forget that experience of these are this is my crowd, my people, mm-hmm. my band, you know. And, and the energy that you get from that is, is just an experience you never forget. Well, it's funny because, like, the... Um, Megadeth, like I was a fan of Megadeth, like I've I've always yeah. been a metalhead, right? But um, the headliner was Aerosmith, and obviously mm-hmm. Aerosmith's got a lot of hits, so you know it's like you can't really sure. go wrong with going to. Air- but it was an odd pairing, and uh, mm-hmm. because you don't you don't really think about Megadeth on tour with Aerosmith because you know well, <laughs> and, and and because of MTV though that thing kind of was was happening. You know, and and so it's the old guard mm-hmm. versus the new guard, really. You know, so you're you're tying them together. Uh, you know, it's funny because you would think that you think you're saying the old guard, but it's freaking Aerosmith. I mean, they had as many, probably more hits in the '90s than they did in any other time. Exactly, because they were really big in the '90s, and that was that, yeah. was, that was the tour kind of on their comeback swing around for uh, yeah. But um, and then Megadeth, obviously, they they ever since they gave him the bus ticket home, uh, yeah. Dave, Dave Mustaine was was uh, was churning and burning songs. I mean, making yeah. records, touring the world. I mean, Dave Mustaine yeah. is 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 an animal. He's and, a monster. Uh, and um, you know, like. I remember just being blown away and just the, the whole, you know, and, and we have here in Houston, it's weird, like, because Houston, if you ever see these memes, it'll say Houston's an hour away from Houston. Like, the summit is kind of close to sort of downtown-ish. Hmm. The Woodlands Pavilion is about an hour north of downtown. So it's like, bands would either play at the summit or they'd play at the Woodlands. And there wasn't really, I mean... You'd have club shows and you'd have mid-sized venues, but it, it would just depend on where they played. Like, and, and the summits in the woodlands is like the most strange white bread suburb of a city that's ever been. <laughs> when they say it's the woodlands, so normally whenever they build a development, like build a, a master plan community, they go in and they cut all the trees down, they pour all the concrete, they build all the buildings, and they plant new trees and name them after the street, you know, name the streets after the trees they cut down. With the woodlands, they didn't do that. They went in, 
and like kind of carved in everything behind. So whenever you're in the woodlands and driving around, all you see is trees. Yeah. So if you need a Texaco, you better be looking fast or driving at (laughs) night because you're not going to see that sign until you're past it, right? Right. And so there's this giant, giant pavilion where they, you know, play play concerts, and that's where that's where I've seen most of the bands in the last, you know, thirty years that have come through town. Is that's where they play because it's it's a huge facility, but it's also yeah. a strange place because it's this mix of strange suburban properness, and then mm. Van Halen. <laughs> like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, that's Starwood was kind of like that too in Nashville. They you you had downtown, which was your your you know stadium or pavilion type things, but then you had Starwood, which was out of town on a hillside. You know, it was an outside arena, if you want to call it that. And uh, it was kind of the same thing. You were driving out in the middle of nowhere, and you know it, it was that was an experience all to itself. And for a while, when I lived in Nashville, we lived maybe two miles from there. So it was easy to, you would just, they would be handing out tickets. You would be leaving a concert and they'd be handing out tickets for whoever was coming next. We went and seen Meatloaf one night and walking out, they were handing out free tickets to come see Santana like the next night. Oh, wow. You know, so it was like, you know, you'd say, well, uh, you want to go to a concert after we eat supper? I mean, it became one of those kind of, you know easy to do kind of things so that that was gonna say because for me it was never that it was never that cheap and easy like there were, i always had to buy tickets oh, well, but um. yeah now <laughs> now i'm two and a half hours away from anywhere that would have a concert so you know it's it's always been a a a, a full weekend road trip if you're going to go to a concert we, we, we do up, that now going know. to the woodlands we get a hotel room and and, yeah. and go out there what was funny is back in the in the this is being the nineties because that that Aerosmith concert would have been like ninety one, ninety two. Um mm. and I, I had to I spent the entire nineties pretty much being at a show. You know, like mm. got, got some fun little stories to tell here in a little while, but one <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day you had to buy your tickets from Ticketmaster. Yep. And there was no there was no internet back then. There's no smartphones like Tickets go on sale Saturday morning, so you could go. That was it. You could go to like yeah. one of a few places. Well, stand in line. One, one, <laughs> stand one. in line. Open, open when the you know when they first started selling the tickets, and hope that you were in line to get them. Yeah, because sometimes they'd sell out <laughs> while you were standing in line, and that was that was right. that was not fun. Um, yeah. yeah, our uh, our our ticket master was in a Foley's. Uh, in Memorial hmm. City Mall had a Foley's. And the Foley's yeah. had a customer service department, and the customer service department was in the women's lingerie. So, like, the store was built, you know, it was, like, two <laughs> stories high, and it was, like, built, uh, you know, it was a big loop, big circle that you go around through the bottom floor and the top floor with everything. And you'd run around, because <laughs> where you could park, and you'd run around, you'd go around the loop into the ladies' lingerie. And then cut into the customer service department and wait in line with all these people that were trying to return crap. <laughs> like you're like, come on, man! <laughs> like I need to, I need to buy tickets to go see whatever. And uh, <laughs> that that was an experience, man. Because <laughs> Saturday yeah. mornings they'd go on sale at eight a.m. You and your friends would just all pile in a car and everybody would run because they wouldn't sell more than two or four tickets to any one person because of scalpers. Right. Yep. Yep. You're just like oh. yeah, <laughs> such a such a different time now because now you just you log on, you push your buttons, you select your seat, and that's it, you know. And <laughs> it was so much more work just to you know, you spent more time planning on trying to get the tickets than you did actually going to the show. Yeah, well, and then like you said, your kiss tickets were thirteen bucks, and that was the whole thing with with uh, Ticketmaster and like Pearl Jam yeah. and sued them and stuff. It's like because your tickets oh, yeah. would be fifteen dollars. And by the time you yep. walked out, it was twenty eight bucks. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, like if you were not a complete dumbass, you'd realize that everyone they're like tickets only fifteen dollars. You're like, okay, that's thirty, sixty, ninety. That's a hundred and twenty bucks. <laughs> like, it's it's forty five dollars worth of tickets for one hundred and twenty bucks. We gotta uh, we gotta think about this. <laughs> So so let's let's have some fun with this. I mean, I know we got other things to talk about, but what do you feel like is the 
the best concert you've been to? Man, I would have to top ten this one because I've been to so many. Um, yeah. Perhaps I'm gonna say because it's still still up there. Faith No More did the reunion tour in fifteen wow. in twenty fifteen. Yeah. And Faith No More was a band I never got to see them in their in their in their first run. They broke up. Like right. I, I was a big fan. Angel Dust is a record that's just oh, yeah. perfect. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, I, I always liked all of their stuff, but I never got to see them live. And so whenever they came back around 2015, um, me and a whole bunch of friends bought tickets and went and saw them. And it was, it was just, it was phenomenal. But yeah. one of the greatest things about it was they kept all the lights on. Like all the, like the, the house lights were down, but the stage lights were on and they were all dressed in like white linen. So you could see them sweat you could actually see them play their instruments and whenever uh they would do anything you could tell it was real there was no backing track there was no right there was no lights there was, it was just like this is a band playing their songs yeah. and um i'm one of those people that i've seen enough shows that every now and then a band will make a mistake and sure i like that because it, it's it makes it more real it's it's those people like mm -hmm. they're on stage actually playing instruments it's not just some run through you know right. what i mean so faith no more <clears throat> they didn't mess up but you could see mike yeah. Patton's vocals <laughs> adam's apple moving around whenever he's sure singing and stuff and that was that's certainly in my top five um wow it's yeah. <laughs> How about yourself? Uh, you know, I have to go with uh, Queensryche. I got to see Queensryche in 1990. It was the Empire Tour, but they did Operation Mindcrime in its in its entirety, mm. which is one of my favorite albums ever. And I took a buddy of mine that we played in a band together, and uh, he was a big Queensryche fan too. But he didn't want to go see him where we were seeing him. It was downtown in in Nashville. And he was like, man, Municipal just has terrible sound. I went and seen Yes there. I've seen Rush there. The sound's not good. Blah, blah, blah. And this concert was literally like being picked up, thrown into a movie. <laughs> nice. With, with, with headphones. And then the lights just come on. And you're sitting there going, what just happened? Man, I, I, I don't... I mean, so it's right opposite of what you were talking about. Because I love a, a raw, in-your-face concert. But I also appreciate a great production when it when it's working and you're still actually working. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, absolutely. In other words, it's like, you know, people always talk about how great Michael Jackson is live. Well, he is to an extent, but half the time he's not singing, right? Yeah, because dancing, so, you, you, you... Yeah, because you, you can't. Yeah, if yeah, dancing you like can't. that, you, you get out of breath. Yeah, so you gotta you, you balance that out. These guys played every note, but they, were, they had a track going, though, behind to keep everything in its entirety. But I've never seen visuals at a show like this, man. You may remember, there's a video for, I think it's Union of the Snake by Duran Duran. And there's a scene where it looks like these pieces of glass are falling in the crowd, and the crowd kind of raises their hands. Mm -hmm. That happened at this show. <laughs> there was a scene where they had two video screens that would become big eyes. And they had the the this Queensryche logo, which is you know the 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 wings with the spike, you know their 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 logo, and these they had these lights that were in the crowd that would come up and it looked like daggers coming down into the crowd, and it showed Jeff Tate running on the screen, and he ran and he jumped through the screen and it shattered into glass, and all the glass fell out into the crowd, wow. but it was all lights, and. It was just like it was the most unreal thing. They made it rain on stage, <laughs> but it, but it wasn't raining, you know. <laughs> and the sound quality was unreal. And you know, like I said, my, we turned the lights on. My and when they turned the lights on, my buddy just looked at me and said, "I just I can't believe what we just saw." And uh, yeah, that was one for the books, man. I, I uh, and what come? What's funny is what's second to that. And of course, I'm a big Kiss fan. And they're still my favorite shows, but the second best show, and my wife would love to hear me say this, freaking Barry Manilow, man. <laughs> she, she, she drug me to go see Manilow, right? She's, she's a Manilow fan. And it was 
It was unreal, man. You talking about somebody that that is good live, man. It is. It was. It was really impressive. Dude, there's there's a lot of those old guard guys that are like they're, they're yeah. just good, you know. Like they, yeah. they they didn't get famous because they weren't good. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you're talking about the that experience at that show, and yeah, pro- probably my most mind blowing would be Nine Inch Nails. <clears throat> oh yeah. Not Nine Inch Nails, 1994 Halloween night. <laughs> In the, in the in the summit, which was you know now Lakewood Church, right? So Nine Inch Nails was on tour with Marilyn Manson. Yeah, and um, so we had tickets to the show for Halloween night, and my buddy was like, "Dude, we got to go see Pulp Fiction." So we went and watched Pulp Fiction in the theater with popcorn and the and the uh, pocket beers, and watched the Quentin Tarantino masterpiece on screen. Yeah. And then got out of there and looked at her like, oh, well, Marilyn Manson's probably playing by now. Like, we got to get, we got to get our butts to the summit. I'm driving my parents' minivan. Like, <laughs> get there, park, get out, get up. We couldn't, we, we were not able to buy floor seats because they'd sold out. So we, we had uh, uh, arena chairs. And we're like, okay, well, this sucks because we want to be on the floor. We want to be like right under the stage. And here we are, like we've got assigned seats and they're, they got their securities, like got their flashlights and they're shining at the, the rows being like, bah, 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 bah. so I'm standing there and this is, you know, obviously my nine inch nails days. I've got like torn pants and yeah, like black t-shirt and long hair and it's dyed black and i probably had halloween so i probably had makeup on my face and this girl taps me on my shoulder and she's like like yeah she's like are you gonna go it's like go she's like as soon as the lights go down we're all gonna go over the barricade and i look and there's all of these people on the back side of the thing like kind of do this wave and it's like the wave it's like several hundred people are like me too. We're all doing it. So uh, me and my buddy, like, bro, we're we're going over this barricade. Like, as soon as this thing breaks, we're running. And um, lights go down. Everybody starts hitting. Boom! Crash yeah. the barricade. Run! I run far enough out, and I look back, and I realize that my buddy's tied up in because the the little barricade thing. <laughs> He's down, and his feet are wrapped up in the barricade, like he crashed it somehow and uh so i go run back and i pull him out of there and the security guard lights come chase us we go run 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 get all the way up to the front show's on like we made it (laughs) it's amazing and we're right under the (laughs) stage while nine inch nails is playing like boom and uh (laughs) then we realize like two songs into it that i'm thirsty and we can't leave (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's no going to the beer aisle there's no getting the water there's no water right. fountains like we like yeah we, we've you're done, stuck we've done busted the barricade we're, we're stuck but i uh, yeah. ended up watching that show <clears throat> it was amazing they filmed part of it for some of their uh videos later um absolutely transcendent i mean nine inch nails yeah I, I saw them a couple of times a few three or four times they're they're amazing i saw them with david bowie Wow. Um, they, they, yeah, they, when he was doing his, he was doing the whole I, I hate Americans uh-huh. thing. Yeah. And, um, or I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of Americans. Yeah. Afraid. Yeah. And, uh, we saw, we, we saw that show up in Austin and just, but yeah, Nine Inch Nails, if you ever get a chance, certainly, oh, yeah. cer- certainly worth yeah. going to. But, man, that's, that's way up there, too. I don't know. I mean, dude, I've seen a lot of yeah. shows. <laughs> well, and of course, the the uh, the big one for me too is probably the Kiss reunion tour because I had seen them so many years out of makeup, which is the Kiss I grew up with. I mean, you know, they quit wearing the makeup when I was nine years old. Well, no, I was twelve years old, but I never got to see them up until that point. So the Kiss that I got to go see in concert was always the non makeup era, and it's amazing as many times as I've seen them with the platform boots and the makeup and stuff. 
they literally are larger than life on stage. Mm-hmm. They they look twice the size of normal people. And it's hard to even convey that in your head till you see it live, just how gargantuan they look on stage when they're when they're in the regalia. And, you know, come on, man. I mean, it, it's, you know, that reunion tour was just a, you know, uh, a, a nostalgia trip for everybody that didn't get to experience it. And, you know, that's one of those things I'll never forget either, just because of I couldn't get over the fact of how larger than life they were. So it really brought back the idea of being a kid and looking at the picture on the inside of a live two and going, mm-hmm. wow, you know, look at the stage. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean fantastic um this last tour they're doing even though paul can't sing the the sound quality is probably the best they've ever had really yeah what happened i mean i was paul can't sing oh his voice is just shot man Uh, i mean you know he's just been doing it too long and he should have quit about 10 years ago actually and you know he, he struggles and you know he's always been a guy that talks to the crowd how many people over here and all that kind of stuff and he don't have it no more man mm. it's just he sounds like an old jewish lady <laughs> you know yeah let me tell you something well let me tell i mean it's just like it's gone and it, it breaks my heart but you well, know the show is still phenomenal you know and the sound is really really good i was gonna say because that's that's one of those things when you watch somebody lose their voice in real time like Pan, oh. like pantera like i don't right, know yeah, if you're ever yeah. a pantera fan yeah. but oh yeah uh, you know, it's like yeah, if you feel. listen, like cow- Cowboys from Hell, and you just listen yeah. to the range because he can go from a deep, oh yeah, like, angry growl yeah. all the way up to that high pitched, like eighties yeah. high pitched scream, and he, <coughs> excuse me, he can go from from grungy to clean in one breath, like you know, right? And then yeah. um, saw him playing on, you know, I've seen. I saw Pantera a lot with like I saw him with Typo Negative, some and you know, and where he's just like he doesn't have any more. He's like he's yeah. skipping words. He's just hitting yeah. beats. He's like it's or right. It's motion. Yeah. And you're like okay, well no that that that's like a string of words and then you know like that that that's a bent squeal guitar wail that you should go up. And he was doing that before Dimebag died. So, right. um, well, you know, and it's that thing too. And, and, uh, you know, we, we all get older. I mean, you know, Paul Stanley's pushing 70. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I what kind I'm, of vocal range are you expecting? And then, but look at all of our guys from that time period. I mean, they, they were doing this stuff in their heyday and their, in their twenties when they were indestructible. And now it's, you can't really pull it off. Don Dockin is terrible now. <laughs> uh, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. He just he he can't sing half the songs anymore, and you know that was always the thing with Robert Plant. You know they always talked about why why Zeppelin never got back together. He's like, because we want to leave it the legend that it is. Because if we got up there, we're just a shell of who we used to be. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. You know, dude, I never realized since before I got my voice fixed, like I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything loud or, or, or anything, right? Like I'm not doing anything at all, but I'll just yeah. sit there and hum along to songs that I haven't been able to, like, I'm, right. I'm, I'm hitting yeah. notes that I haven't been able to hit in 10, 15 years. And I'm not yeah. trying to hit notes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a singer. I'm not trying to rehab anything, but, um, just, you know, something will come on the radio and I'll just kind of be like, do, 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 like, Hey, those notes are there. <laughs> hey, yeah, like I don't feel that that constriction in there anymore. Like, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of people in there that if they actually had their throat scoped, they'd find that there was some <laughs> some some stuff that needed to be taken out. <clears throat> I don't know if they'd want to go and, on 14 days not being able to talk though, because that's. <laughs> and what's amazing is you got people out there that you would think. I always think of Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, mm-hmm. which. I don't know how big of a cheap trick fan you are, but you know about a powerhouse vocalist. This guy is kind of like what you're talking about with Phil Alonzo. You know, uh, Phil Alonzo. I can't even say Anselmo. his name. Anselmo. Anselmo. And Anselmo. He has that that range where it's full on yell to notes, 
And Xander's been doing it all these years, and he's still got it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how how is that even possible, you know? When I went through it, my voice, my, my speech therapist, because when, it, when I had the, uh, the surgery, basically, I walked into the place, and I was like, hey, um, I keep losing my voice. And they put a scope in my nose, and they're like, yeah, see that? That's why. Mm-hmm. We're going to take that out of there. So then, of course, they took it out of there. <clears throat> I, you know, they're like, don't talk. Didn't talk. Started trying to talk. Couldn't do it. It was like <laughs> physically not there. Yeah. I would say words, and my voice was way back, 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 far in my throat. And I, I would sound like, um, like a, a little whisper of myself. So I'd go to speech yeah. therapy, and she's like, okay, well, that's normal because all this has to be reshaped. But yeah. but your 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 neck your like not your throat but your neck muscles have wrapped themselves mm-hmm. around. Yep. Just trying to be to manage, so you have to like let them go. So you have to pull on your you have to pull on your Adam's apple. You have to do the speech therapy and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, I mean, it was the, is making room for the thing that was in there and just adapting to it. So you remove it and then you've got this gap. Right. Well, and she said like. <laughs> And she said it, it was very candidly. She's like, yeah, you tried to do a whole bunch of, uh, like, basically vocal, like, like musical screaming without the proper training. Because you mm-hmm. have to be trained to do that. Like, that's that's not a, it's not a natural skill. That's something that you build up to. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, so those guys, she's like, those guys get paid a lot. They have vocal coaches. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> I mean, you, you you found them here and there that just had that 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 know how to do it naturally, like a Rob Halford or somebody mm-hmm. like that, uh, Michael Sweet from Striper. I mean, these guys just they're already so high pitched in the first place, and then when they take it up into that falsetto range, it's just it's almost a natural thing for them. For me, it was and, the, uh, for me it was the growl. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. I did that, and enough, then uh, did that enough that I turned into my normal voice. <laughs> ACDC, you know, you always think, you never realize how high Brian J- Johnson's really singing until <laughs> you start singing the stuff and you like, man, how does he get that sound? And then you hear him talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other day, you know, it's like, well, that's just the way he sounds. Right. <laughs> uh, so, okay. How about this? What about, what's the, what's the worst concert you went to? What do you think was just a big letdown? Okay, so probably like a, a best and a worst same band was uh, wow. Tool, was Tool, not the same show. Holy smokes! Yeah, but uh, Tool played in like 1994, 1995 on their uh, Anima tour. And they, yeah. it was a it was a club show, and the band just had it. They were on. It was yeah. it, it, it it was just amazing. It was like one of those shows that's just like transcendent. It was just amazingly yeah. good. And then um, some four or five years, three or four years ago, I don't know. And same band, 25 years later, and just boring. Just phone, yeah. just phoning it in like they didn't. Yeah. And wow. it was just like, like dude, I've, I've seen you guys before. I know you have it. And they're just—I mean, all of the notes are there, but they, their stage lights were down. They weren't—they weren't doing anything. And again, another big letdown. Um, saw this was several years ago, but the Twins of Evil tour it was uh, Rob Zombie oh, and yeah. Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And so, like, I missed Marilyn Manson with Nine Inch Nails because I was watching Pulp Fiction. So I'd seen Marilyn Manson on club shows before they got famous, but. Uh, yeah, he came out and was just like going through the motions. Yeah, sucked. Yeah, he just, he, at, at that at that point, he he kind of well. That's the same tour where he pulled that gun over on top of him, right? They had a big prop. It was like a big gun. Yeah, it was just, and he went back and stumbled, and it fell, it fell on top of him. Yeah, it was just dumb and, and like a Stonehenge moment put over exactly, spinal tap exactly. or something. <laughs> and so then then uh, then so like my wife and I went because we're both fans of like I've. Okay, I've always liked Marilyn Manson. I've never been a fan of Marilyn Manson. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. They got a couple, they got some good songs. I like that whole Alice Cooper sort of. Yeah. Uh, that, that's all I got out of know, it was, hey, this is the the new generation's version of Alice Cooper, just with not as good as songs. Right, right. So like, you know, <laughs> he's got, he's got some great songs, but yeah. not, not, not a, not a, not a huge fan, but I've always loved White Zombie since the beginning of a love oh, yeah. White Zombie, Rob Zombie, the, the, the whole works. Yeah. Marilyn Manson was so boring because it was, it was Twins of Evil, so it was huge, like big double bill. Yeah, the tickets were like eighty bucks, and so we had two of them. So then we were babysitters in, we were we, hotels in, like we spent like three or four hundred dollars on this show. And, wow! And Marilyn Manson sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, like this sucks. Then, well, you know, you, thank you, God you Rob take... Zombie came out and like completely cleaned it up because he just oh, yeah. he just he just yeah. lit the place on fire and was just like yeah that's a guy who's yeah. he's a ringmaster he's in his element absolutely like, that's what he was born yeah. to do it was just amazing so like we're sitting over there like this sucks okay <laughs> it doesn't suck so much anymore we're <laughs> <laughs> we're happy now because but yeah. uh, so did John Five play for both of them. Uh, John Five played for Manson or for for uh, Zombie only. Okay, my God, because I know I I know there for a while he was kind of playing both bills there. So yeah, I think it, well because Man- Manson can't get along with anybody, so he, yeah, he, he, yeah. He, he just runs through guitar players. So John Five knows all the songs. Yeah, it was weird. Have you ever watched any John Five outside of his bands? Oh yeah, yeah. His solo stuff at, is amazing. Just seeing him at home running a metronome, yeah. he's he's yeah. such a dork. Like he's yeah. got he's got his little curly cowboy hat on, and he's just like all happy go lucky, and he's just like, oh yeah, like. Well, he he grew up a hee haw fan. Yeah. I mean, when when I found he's, that out, I mean he he loves the chicken picking stuff, and he's really good at he, it. He is, and that's why I was like, I don't like mean no that in no insult to say he's a dork, but he's just like. Like you see him all painted up with his, mm-hmm. his death metal stuff going on, and you're like, okay, that guy, I would, I wouldn't, yeah. like that guy's kind of scary. And then you see him at home, and he's all like, <laughs> hey man, he wants to be Roy Clark, you know? Yeah, like, like he haw is awesome. It's like I, I had a much, much giant respect for him. Like watching some of his yeah. just, <clears throat> he he was on. Well, some, they they did they did a thing on uh YouTube. The Guitar Center did a thing on YouTube where he got to play all these classic guitars. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk that, about. Yeah, where he's just yeah. Every time they handed him something, he was so excited. But then he played it yeah. better than anybody who's ever played it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, because they gave him Paul Stanley's Ibanez, right? And because he starts playing all the Kiss tunes, and he's just like, this is like a dream come true. And then he'd grab the telly that was you know Jimmy Page's mm-hmm. or you know, and just burn them up, man. And you know. Uh, <laughs> He's kind of what I think of Nuno Bittencourt. He's kind of this mishmash of you take these great guitar players of the past and you put them together in one package, and he creates his own style out of that. That's really what John Five is. He's he's one part Eddie Van Halen, one part Ace Frehley, one part Jimmy Page, one part, you know, like I said, Glenn Campbell. I mean, he, he's got all these elements, and look what it makes. It, it makes somebody that gets on stage and can do things that, Nobody else can really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I that that the whole he he did a thing where he was at his house. He's doing yeah. like a lesson. I don't know. I'm sure yeah. he saw it. But he's like, he's got his guitar. He's got his pick. And he's like, yeah. So, so one of the things, and he's got a guy with him, like talking about guitar. And the dude's just sitting there. And he's like, yeah. One of the things I like to do is I like to set my metronome. He's like, clicks it. He's like, click, <laughs> click, click, click. He goes in and he's like, then I hit my notes and they're kind of like, bump, 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 and he's just like tapping and the whole yeah. thing starts catching on fire and this dude's just sitting there just watching him and he's just like, then he finishes and the metronome's still like click, clock, click, clock and he's like, yeah, and then I just kind of like do that and my wife gets annoyed. And it's just like him, him just sitting in on his coffee, on like at his couch, at his coffee table. It's just like, stop doing all that noisy, doing things, babe. <laughs> like I'm watching TV upstairs. I'm paying the bills, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. So yeah, uh, worst concert for me. Uh, me, uh, yeah, it's funny because I can blame my wife for some of them and praise her for some of the other ones, but she, uh, got tickets to go see Bonnie Raitt and Bruce Hornsby. Yeah, I would, I would imagine that sucks. That, that... Well, Bonnie Raitt, Bonnie Raitt's a great guitar player. I mean, people don't really know that about her. She's, she's an iconic slide player that people don't really know that, um, and but this is when she had her big, you know, give them something to talk about mm-hmm. hit. So she was on top again. Bruce Hornsby was the opening act, and it might as well have just been dinner music, man, because there was people sitting around us, and they were like, "And we went today to this place, and it was fantastic." <laughs> I mean, you could hear these people way over the music, right? It was just so boring. And then Bonnie Raitt came out, and she really just didn't. She didn't put on a show or anything. It was just kind of, "Yep, I'm here, and that's it." And you know, we were both very disappointed in that. That was one of those things because, like, it, the day in my life that we talked about those places you would go back and revisit, Lollapalooza '94, right? So, wow, it was, yeah, it was Green Day. We had L7. <laughs> it was like it was a big thing. But the the headliner for that show was Smashing Pumpkins. Yep. And the the preliner was Beastie Boys. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, don't ever put the Beastie Boys up against Smashing Pumpkins, because <laughs> what you'll end up having is the Smashing Pumpkins will have everybody just leave at the end. Wow! Because the whole day, I mean, you had you had all of these bands. You know, you had George Clinton, the P Funk All Stars, and you had yeah. just, I mean, it was just you, know, you remember Lollapalooza? They just used to dump bands mm-hmm. to like like none of them had anything to do with each other but did you and, and then you'd have bands like as Lollapalooza through the summer would happen you'd have bands like Tool that started on the third stage then moved to the second stage and by the end were headlining because that's how yeah, fast it right. took to get that big was right. like just you know several weeks because of MTV and stuff it was happening so quick yeah, yeah. and you know th- this particular show God, man, the Beastie Boys came out, and I've, like, we talked in the previous episodes, like, how, like, I woke up to the Beastie Boys at Boy Scout camp. Like, I've always been a fan of the Beastie Boys, <laughs> but I was never a big fan of hip-hop. Like, I could I could appreciate yeah. a song that was on. I wouldn't sit there and dr- walk around and listen to records, because I was always I'm more, with like, I'm with you. Yeah, rock. We were the rock, rock dudes. <laughs> rock and roll. But, man, you put the, you put the Beastie Boys on stage... Yeah, it was. I mean, I remember there were certain points during during their set because the sun was going down because they were the, the right before uh, the the headliner, so the sun was going down behind the hill, and they do certain things. And if you step back and looked around, it looked like you know, like whenever you go to the zoo and you feed carp, and they're just like flipping <laughs> around, like tails yeah. are flipping, like. And it was like that for as far as the eye could see. People are oh, yeah. jumping together, like they're flipping around. It was just amazing. The Beastie Boys come off stage, and you're just like, okay, that was the best day ever. <laughs> and then the Smashing Pumpkins come on, and they're like, dun, yeah, dun, they're the, dun. yeah, just boring as and boring yeah. and mad, <laughs> like boring and angry. Yeah. And it was just like. Oh man, they should have flipped that bill real fast. Like it would have been yeah. awesome if the if the Smashing Pumpkins would have played, and then the Beastie Boys could have brought it up and just sent it home. Yeah, but and that's you know, that, and there's been several shows like that too, man. That you're like, you know, the opening band should have been the headliner. Um, I, I I couldn't imagine a, a situation like that where you're following the Beastie Boys because. Their music's not going to be perfect, it's, but that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. They're up there to to get you riled up, get you pumped up, jumping around. That's their stick. That's, yeah, that's what it is. What they, like literally, that's all yeah. they are is like a giant, yeah. massive pump up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, how how do you come down from that with you know a, a goth dude with his you know head shaved and I mean it's just and and no disrespect to Smashing Pumpkins. I like a lot of their songs, but you can't contrast those two and and be effective yeah. like you're saying 
It's just a mismatch. It, yeah. It was... um, that's like the Scorpions opening for Merle Haggard. You right. Know? <laughs> well, it's just such a mis- mismatch. It, it just doesn't make sense, you know. Well, my uncle said he watched, a, he went to a show, he went to a Black Sabbath show in like, I don't know, like 81, 82, and the opening band was Van Halen. Said, oh, yeah. He said Sabbath, yeah. Sabbath just could not bring the well, crowd back because Van Halen was just so insane. And nobody had seen it before. This was before Van right. Halen was even famous. They were kind of on their way up, and Black Sabbath brought them along on tour. And well, then just like, this, this is the you're coming up towards the end of Sabbath, so this is where probably Ozzy's already left. If he's not, he's definitely not the Ozzy of the early Sabbath. Then you know, if it's not him, it's Dio singing. Which is, don't get me wrong, that's great. But this new blood, like we said earlier, the new blood coming on, and and again, come on, it's freaking Eddie Van Halen. I mean, right. well, Eddie Van it's, it's one thing, David it's one Lee thing Roth. to have David Lee Roth out there jumping around doing his thing, but you know, but when you got a guitar player that's doing these things that don't even sound like a guitar, you know. And and it's not angry, bitter music. It's fun, mm-hmm. uplifting. You know, have a have a party mentality. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I could imagine. You know, I just, so I just wish I was a final wall on any of those shows because I would have been. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you hear a lot of those stories. It's that's the the phenomenon of Kiss, right? I mean, the, the when they first had their their first album come out they were opening for Blue Oyster Cult and then a year later Blue Oyster Cult was opening for them that's how much of an impact they made so fast mm-hmm. and it's just because of the show you know and uh you know you you have to have that total package with, with that being said uh another show that really surprised me it was fantastic i got to see NXS on the Kick tour oh so dude i'm jealous it was it was unreal, man. I mean, it was a fantastic show. Yeah, I re- dude, when I like, so that was like eighty-seven. Obviously, eighty-seven is yeah. the year. But eighty-seven, I remember um, there there was there was so much stuff coming out. But the NXS Kick, Def Leppard, Hysteria, yep. Um, yep. it was like MTV. Just that was that was all there was. Yep. It was like like basically that I need you tonight video. The, yep. <laughs> and and yeah. and then pour some sugar on me and love bites like and I was was yep. like dude these are two bands and there's two bands I never saw because uh, Hutchins checked out too early yep. and right I've never seen Dev Leopard but I just like 1987 was just like that was yeah. that was, that was the soundtrack was a those two bands were pretty I mean there yeah. was a lot other of other bands but like those two bands are are two just yeah, it was it was a great show, and Ziggy Marley opened up. So Bob Marley's <laughs> son was the opening act. You know, it's like again, just like okay, this is different. <laughs> I, dude, I would have loved to seen that. That would have been. Just, it was great. Just it was great. And we got to see uh, Bon Jovi on the New Jersey tour, and uh, uh, Blue Murder opened up, which is John <laughs> Sykes, Carmine Peace, and Tony Franklin, a three piece band. Wow. Came out there and just smoked it, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and of course nobody cared because all the girls were there to see Bon Jovi, you know. But musically, man, John Sykes came out there and just <laughs> killed it. So that was that was good. So uh, in 1991, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Faith No More yeah. were on tour together. Yeah. And... On that '91 tour, basically, that was when Axel caused mm-hmm. a bunch of riots in the riots in, in yep. Toronto or Montreal. Is that were is that the same year Hetfield got caught on fire too? Hetfield got fu- caught on fire, and Faith No More wasn't big enough to really. I mean, they they were on tour with these guys, but they were by no means Guns N' Roses or Metallica, like as right. far as stature. So they all went their separate ways. So it. Like I missed that show. I didn't get to go in in ninety one. I've seen them all separately. I've seen Metallica two or three times. I've seen Guns yeah. N' Roses once. It was a great show. It was on the reunion tour a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um Axel Axel, like us we were talking earlier, like Axel started off 
not being able to hit the notes, and then he mm-hmm. warmed up, and then he played a show, and he was able to hit the notes. Like, Slash is always pretty consistent. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Duff only has to play the bass, and we don't know yeah. that. I don't know who the drummer was, but Axel is the wild card in that because, you know, like, it, sure. it could be his own fault, and he still gets pissed yeah. off and makes meth. Well, it's that it's that same thing though. I mean, you you you've sang in that high register all these years, and it catches <laughs> up with you. Right. You know, he was ha- he was having trouble even in '91. If if you go back and actually look at it, versus what he was doing with Appetite. I mean, he had already done some damage. Yeah. I mean, so the Guns N' Roses show. I don't know if I'll like if they come back around. I will buy a ticket because it was entertaining. It was fun. Yeah. Um. I'll always Slash is like my spirit animal. I'll sure. Always, I love Slash. Whatever Slash is yeah. doing is is cool in my book. I always said like Slash, man. Like there's there's all other people, and then there's Slash, and he's standing on a box because I don't care how horrible of a human he might be. Yeah. Just that top hat, that the the hair in his face, the glasses, the leather jacket, and the Les Paul. That is. That's all I that, care about. That's what Ace Freely always was for me, man. It's weird because I've always been a drummer, but the persona of him—he's—he's he's the one that doesn't talk, <laughs> right? He just—he's got the guitar, you know. He's—he's he's just a more glamorous kind of slash, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. basically what he was—an alcoholic that stumbled around everywhere and smoke come out of his guitar, and you know, he made faces, he made big round mouth vibrato sounds on his guitar you know <laughs> and it, it just it personified everything rock and roll to me and and no matter what instrument i play ace was always the inspiration yeah and you know not one, one band i've seen a lot of times and they're they're my, one of my favorite bands of ever probably disintegration is probably the best record that's ever been pressed mm. in my opinion oh yeah but i've seen the cure a lot and one thing that the yeah. cure never did like i've seen a lot of bands that are like okay we're gonna go with the screen we're gonna go with the <laughs> we're, we're gonna, it's just gonna be a whole bunch of s- s- silly lights up in the air and you're just gonna like forget about the fact that we're um, a backtrack band yeah, I've seen The Cure probably five or six times in the last fifteen years, and they're always stripped. It's hmm. it's hot amps, like you you, yeah. can, you can tell when somebody like whenever they're not playing and they touch mm-hmm. their instrument, it's like like they, yeah, they fix it and then they turn it back up and then they play their songs. Like we were talking, you were talking about Queensrÿche. It's like when they lock in, yeah. they're perfectly locked yeah. in, but their amps are hot, and they're, right. they're a stripped-down punk rock band from the 70s. Yeah, With a whole exactly. bunch of songs that people know. And I can't say that any one Cure show is like my best or favorite or whatever, but they're one of my favorite bands to see live for that very reason, is because sure. they don't mess around. They're like, oh, right. like, huh, that guy messed up. right yeah like uh, i'm talking like what's your problem over there like you tune like what's your deal and (laughs) i again i appreciate when a band's completely locked in i also appreciate when they you can tell that they're live and they're not right phoning phoning it in right yeah i like i like the you want the balance right you want it to where Give me the performance, but don't give me a crappy performance, right? Give, give me a good show, but don't make it totally about the show, right? right? I mean, so it's it's that balance that's, you know, that's the artist that really stand out. And you have to decide what side of the fence you're on. And when you don't really make that decision, you're a band that kind of gets forgotten about, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you've got to be able to deliver some level. You know, uh, to me, it's like I, I could never, you know... I'm one of those people. I never was a big Eagles fan, right? And I just didn't. It just didn't appeal to me. Same. Man. I mean, it's like, <laughs> if you if you want to be a country band, be a country band. If you're gonna be a rock band, be a rock band. You know, same thing to Gin Blossoms and all those bands. Make up your mind what you are, then come back, and then we'll go from there. But 
I've seen so many things of the Eagles live, and I'm like, here's a group of guys that don't even look at each other the whole time they're playing. What's the point, yeah. right? <laughs> they don't, you know. Yeah, they certainly don't seem to be having fun. Like this is, yeah. this is their job. They just showed up, and they're just like, ah. Right. Yeah, and that's that's an insult, man. And you know, my wife has a bad taste for for docking because when we went and seen docking, this is later day. Uh, Don Dockin was on some painkillers or something because he had a uh, like a sea dew wreck or something earlier that day out <laughs> on the water. But he was just a total a hole, sang half the words, didn't sing, didn't care, and it was a bad you know it was a bad example of somebody who actually had you know some decent chops back at the back in the day, and from that you ruin what it is you you built upon and and you know i think that's kind of what you were talking about earlier with some of the bands you saw that were just kind of the letdown because man you had it Mm -hmm. you know well and you just throw it away and and, well and that's that's what i'm saying is like i'm not i'm not i'm not praising bands for making mistakes i yeah i I appreciate it whenever you're watching a live show that's a huge production yeah and they could very easily just play the tape and the band just has exactly they just band has to just stand there and collect a paycheck yeah i I, that you know like i appreciate it whenever you that that feedback does hit unexpectedly and the band looks at each other like that was unexpected it doesn't it doesn't make them play any less good like the songs are not affected or every now and then like you know it's like i said with with uh guns and roses like Axel was not very good in those first two songs, but he warmed up into it. Yeah. And again, they weren't just playing a tape to collect a bunch right. of money because if you look at the the crowd, you know, it's like it was place seats like 40,000 people and every one of them paid yeah. $100 to be here. Like, that sucks. Yeah. I want to know, because yeah. I've seen bands where the guy's just standing on stage by himself with a guitar and playing a song yeah. and it's I, I don't want them to mess up i want them to be them i want them to play right the song that, yeah. that we paid them to play to play and um yeah there's like every now and then they mess up and like well that's that's not good right but that but that's good at the same time because again it just shows you hey you know i wasn't burnt, born a virtuoso i had to get there exactly right? and and i don't know i it's amazing because, I, of course, I'm, I imagine you're like me. You grew up listening to a lot of ACDC. It's just kind of a <laughs> given. And I'm not dissing ACDC by any means. I saw them on the Razor's Edge tour, their biggest tour, I guess. And when they when the lights were on and they were playing, they were fantastic. But when the lights went off in between songs, there was no interaction with the crowd. It was just black. <laughs> no, nothing going on. And I thought... Man, this is this is the part I crave. I crave the how's everybody doing tonight? Hope everybody know the the David Lee Roth spiel, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. You, you want that you want that interaction because that's why we're here. We're here to celebrate you guys and we want to be a part of that. And when you just play your song and turn it off, you never say thanks, you know, any of that stuff. It just seems so So you that, might as well just play the tape, you know. That that's one of those that Again, those concerts with the band and with the band and the other band that might have been good. We um, remember the '90s bands, uh, Counting Crows, and yeah. um, Live. Live was mm-hmm. a much bigger band than Counting Crows, but they were on yeah. a, they were on a double bill in the late '90s. And um, the Counting Crows kind of had a reputation for being like one of those bands where the singer would just kind of go off on tangents, and the band would just play. A, oh, yeah. a, a a background kind of tune to what he was talking about, and then they like drop back into the song, right? And then live, you had the dude that looked like the character off of uh, uh, Nightbreed, right? <laughs> well, on this particular night, live was live was on fire, and Counting Crows mm. was boring as hell. Counting Crows was the the the, the headliner, and. Wow. Um, sometime during live's break between live and Counting Crows or during their whatever, 
it's like, oh, hey, it's my anniversary tonight. So the guy from live brings his girl out on stage and they drink a, uh, a champagne toast and to kind of go into this musical thing where he sings her, you know, a, a sweet little love song. Then they leave and then Counting Crow starts and you're like, okay, if you're going to follow that up, like, I mean, this dude just poured out his heart. He wrote her a special little acoustic guitar song and he played it live in yeah. front of all these people and she cried and it was awesome. You'd expect a little bit of that storytellers sort of vibe with because Counting Crow, they, they were known for that. Nope. Yeah. Hit play, <laughs> play the songs, got out. Thank you. Good night. We don't even know where we're at. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. It's like. I'm... Well, and you know what? You never know what's going on with the band either. I mean, that's the, the pressures of all that is what splits bands up. But you have to be able to set all that stuff aside, get on stage, make your money, give the crowd what they want, and then settle your differences off the stage. Yep. And that's. I've I've never understood that mentality of carrying that on stage with you. Yeah, and let that be a factor to a crowd that has saved up their hard-earned money, you know, to come see you perform. And that's 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 exactly why I'm a Kiss fan because that's exactly what Paul Stanley said about growing up. He said, "Man, he'd I'd save my money for weeks to to go see Led Zeppelin, and they'd come out in their dirty jeans and stand there and." half drugged out and he's like man you know i don't feel like i got my money's worth mm -hmm. so they were they were a reaction to that you know so yeah i mean you 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 have to deliver on that level i mean you're not going to see you 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 can't find a queen concert where freddie is just eh. <laughs> right right well even even <laughs> even going further back to like the doors this was one of those things because again, my dad being who he was, he's like, like in the in the mid to late eighties, whenever the Doors started just kind of really coming back, I'm like, oh, yeah. this is Doors, this is Doors, Doors. I remember at some point he took me aside. He's like, dude, let me let me. He's like, the Doors were not big enough to open for Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, he's like, Jim, yeah. Jimi Hendrix was. And, and but they're both kind of from cut from that same cloth. They're right. both like like psychedelic rock. They both kind of mm -hmm. come from San Francisco, L.A. They're just kind of floating around that whole world. El, uh, Jimi Hendrix was from Seattle, but still he was British invasion. <laughs> like Jimi, yeah. Hen, Jimi Hendrix did his. But he's like, no. Nah. The yeah. the Doors don't deserve to be on the same poster with uh, Jimi Hendrix because Jimi Hendrix would have just burn the doors off of them. Yeah, and, how do you how do you how do you compete? You know, it's <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> well, it's just like you said because they were inconsistent. They were not. Yeah. Oh, you never knew what Jim Morrison you were going to get. Am I going to get the one that's going to pass out in the, in the third song, or am I going to get uh, transcendent? The one that <laughs> right, the one that keeps his back to the crowd the whole time. What am I getting here? And and I think that's what the um, like Tool does. That we're like, oh man, come yeah. on. It's like everybody yeah. everybody loves you now. It's like everybody who's ever loved you is paying too much to come see you. You should at right. least show up. <laughs> well, you can you can I I always think of they they kind of get a little too full of themselves and the self-importance thing I think starts running rapid. And you know that's always a problem because I always think about Sting, right? Sting is Sting, mm -hmm. you know, but without without the police, who would Sting be, right? And he'd still be a teacher uh, named Gordon, uh, right? So I mean, <laughs> to to me, I, I'm I was so thrilled when they finally decided to kind of get back together and do the thing because that's what made all the magic happen was those three together. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sting's a great music; they're all great musicians, but it's the chemistry of them together is what makes the magic. And I think Sting had a successful solo career, but it's that self-importance thing to me, you know. It's it's, it's kind of like Bono. Yep. Bono just uh, is really full of himself, and you know, I think hopefully if we've if we've learned anything out of all this quarantine and stuff is that, you know, celebrities are just people, just like you and me. 
And you see them wigging out and going out of their minds because they're not getting the attention they're used to. Yep. And I'm hoping that it brings that, that humbleness back down to where, hey, you know, you're just a person like everybody else. You're fortunate to have a career like you do. That's the, exactly like it's like the whole Marilyn Manson Rob Zombie thing. It's like Rob Zombie's always just been about monster movies. He's just like yeah. Marilyn Manson's like I'm preaching from a pulpit. Like no, stop <laughs> stop doing that. You're you're just monster movie too. And yes, your little yeah. stick's gonna <laughs> fall apart because as, as soon as your fans grow up and realize that you're full of crap. <laughs> then, right. Then um, you know, whatever. Then Rob Zombie's like, "Well, I've been talking about monster movies since the '80s." You're yeah. like, "Dude, monster movies rock." We have entire yeah. podcasts about how awesome you are because you're not so full of yeah. yourself that you understand, yeah, what it is that makes you you. So, well, hey, man, yeah, and it, that oh, that has been an awesome awesome thing i'm looking at the thing i'm also looking yeah. at the other thing <laughs> I, it's been an awesome talk about concerts we should have made this a two-parter because i could go on for a while just dude I, like all the stuff we talked about was only like six i've been to like 200 right yeah. but um i think it's about time we closed this episode down so yeah hey and let's not forget the people that listen to us or there's part of the, the, the Facebook group there. Hey, if you've got pictures from shows you've been to or just want to talk about what your favorite shows were that you went to, make sure you share that stuff with us, man. That's It's all interactive. We don't want to be too big for our britches either. <laughs> Agreed. Because <laughs> we're so successful. <laughs> post, post the pictures. Comment on the, the, the bands that you love. You know, it's just, uh, Like I said, I, we, we talked about like six I've seen a couple yeah. hundred bands. So if you're like, oh, well, what about these guys? What about those guys and these other guys? So, yeah. Love yep. to talk to you. Um, it's been great. Until next time, let's keep it awesome. <laughs>